On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Renters could be forgiven for feeling they are the forgotten cohort of the housing crisis. With the spotlight often on homeless people and first-time buyers, those whose life is for rent, not owning a home, don't get as much attention. You know what? Throw the tenants in, pack them tight and collect the money. Five grand a month on the button every month. Can't go wrong with that. That was from landlord Joe Doyle's TikTok. In Dublin, young workers and students are also competing with the higher incomes of the staff of tech companies in the Silicon Docks for scarce accommodation. This housing crisis is a reflection of Dublin's entire business model, which is to entice tech giants like Facebook, Google and the rest on the promise that Ireland is a tax haven. The rental market is designed entirely around their needs, not those of Irish workers. I'm Fiona Sheen and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today, I'll be talking to Irish independent political reporter, Gabia Gattavetis-Gaita, about her experience of renting in Dublin. There were six of us in a house where every room was converted into a bedroom. We had the lot, the mice, the mould, and no living room. And Irish Independent Public Affairs correspondent Amy Malloy about the rights of renters and the wrongs done to them too. It unfortunately took a global crisis for the government to introduce greater protections for renters, but now that normality is set to resume, the evidence is there to suggest that the housing crisis is only going to get far worse. So Gabby, you've had what a lot of people have had experienced during the pandemic. Young worker in Dublin, experiencing the the rental accommodation crisis and and the the lack of supply, and then the pandemic hits, and the situation changes. So tell us your experience of of, of renting, I suppose, as a as a young worker in Dublin. So I lived in student accommodation all throughout college. Um, which was DCU student accommodation. It, it was actually quite nice, you know, by, by standards. And when I finished college, I knew I had to find somewhere to live. And I covered the housing crisis a lot, even when I was in college. So I knew that I was going to have to go off through Daft. You know, you're emailing dozens of people every day saying, can I please come in and can I please view this room, this box room in many cases that was overpriced. And I remember when I was in final year, it was a source of great anxiety because I was enjoying final year. But at the back of my head, I knew that I was going to finish college. I'm going to have to find somewhere to live. And yeah, it, you know, you're, 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 it's endless scrolling going through daft. You're looking at everything and anything. Obviously, I didn't have much money then. I think my budget was about, you know, five to six hundred euro. And you're emailing people 
endlessly and you're saying, please, can I come in? I have a job, you know, I'm clean, I'm tidy, I'm non-smoker, I have no pets, I have no children. You know, please, can I come view this room? And nine times out of 10, you don't hear back. And sometimes you do. So I was very much so very desperate. Um, I had to move out somewhere and I just happened to find this house with my friends. And there were six of us in total. It's a house uh, in, in Santry. You know, we, we had the lot in that house. We had the, the thin walls, the mold, we had mice. But because we were all such good friends and because we all got on so well, it made the whole experience funny and it got us through it. Now, um, I was paying 600 euro a month plus bills for what was what well, was a front room essentially converted into a bedroom. And actually the front room was connected to the dining room, but there was these sliding doors put as a divider and the sliding doors did not divide anything and you could hear so whatever my that the person on the other side of the wall was doing I could hear absolutely everything if they said something I heard them we made a deal with the landlord and I didn't pay a month's rent and, and my dad actually filled the wall he, he literally plastered the wall to fill, to fill it up and 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 to make it's sort of a makeshift wall it, it was it was tough but I suppose the the morale of the place made it kind of worth it and made it easier and you're right when the pandemic hit everyone left Dublin um, and everyone that could go home did go home and I went home as well. I moved back with my parents. I moved back in with my parents in Castellarine, Roscommon and moved back to my childhood bedroom. And, you know, I think I lived there for about six months or so during the first lockdown and I saved thousands in rent because I wasn't paying that six fifty a month anymore. And actually, after the first lockdown, I was in this precarious position where the supply was actually there because so many people had left Dublin, be it gone back to you know the countries they're from or the counties they're from. So when I started looking for accommodation to go to go back into work and go come back to Dublin, there was actually a lot of it. Now, the two bedroom apartments are like gold dust. You know, they've always been very difficult to find. But in terms of the single the bedroom that's available, there was a lot of them. And me and my dad went up to Dublin for the day and we had five viewings, which was unprecedented that, that, you know, you had all of this choice and you come in and you look at yourself. OK, do I like this? Is there enough storage? Do I have enough places to put all of my dozens of shoes? So, you know, it was sort of a, a privilege, I suppose. And I did find where I'm living now, which is a duplex apartment um, in Dublin 9. And I'm paying 700 euro for the biggest room in it. And there's two other people that live with me um, now. They are. You know, strangers, obviously, I've gotten to know them over time. But, you know, I suppose where I live now is is it's it's brilliant and I, and I love it. But 700 euro is more than what a typical person would pay for a mortgage. So, you know, even if you are trying to save that money for a deposit and you're looking to buy a house, you're still it's very difficult to do that because you're paying so much in rent. So, Amy, what rights do renters actually have in the law now? On paper, renters have quite a lot of rights. Um, So the majority of tenants' rights are actually governed by the Residential Tenancies Act. So this includes things like the right to privacy, where your landlord can show up uninvited, the right to live in a good standard property, the right to get your deposit back once the property is in good order, and the right to be served with a valid notice of termination if the landlord is intending to sell or not rent the property anymore. Um, But in reality... Getting your rights upheld as a tenant in Ireland is actually a, a very difficult and painful process. Um, you know, the Residential Tenancies Board is the main body involved in dealing with tenants' rights. So if it, a tenant has an issue with a landlord, 
they'll take a complaint with the RTB. The RTB will investigate, hear both sides of the story and make a determination order. But unfortunately, I've spoken to a lot of tenants over the years who had a very kind of drawn out and painful experience with the RTB because even though the RTB might have ruled in their favour, they mightn't get their money or the money might not see the light of day, you know. Um, you have tenants who are ordered to get deposits back of up to €700. Euro. The landlord doesn't pay up. Um, and then the RTB, the next step for them is to take an enforcement and that's to go through the courts process. But this is a very timely and costly process. So the RTB is kind of allergic to doing that in some respects. So, you know, like then you have certain tenants who actually have no rights because we, we've done a lot in the Irish Independent over the years about people living in overcrowded accommodation. You have people living in houses with up to 40 other people and they've no written leases and um, they're paying cash in hand. So essentially when it comes to having their rights enforced, they essentially don't have a leg to stand on. Um, and then you have people like tenants who are actually living with their landlords and they aren't covered by the Residential Tenancies Act. So they don't have the same protection as other renters. Um, I actually did a story a while ago about the, the student. She was in DCU with, and she was living in a house with two other DCU students and the landlord. And one day he just turned around and said, Do you know, what? I don't want you in the house anymore. Um, just ask them to leave. Didn't serve them a notice of termination. They didn't get their security deposits back. She packed up her stuff, left, and she actually forgot her passport. And when she when she asked the landlord about getting it back, he he told her that she'd have to pay 30 euro to go to the house and collect her passport. Um, you know, like you have to kind of see these things to believe. And I remember showing me copies of the text and I was like, how is this actually happening in Ireland in this day and age? Um, so while some renters are protected, unfortunately, there's a lot out there who aren't at the moment. And not a new issue. So what what's your feeling about why the law is not being strengthened in this area? I think we've seen a lot of governments making promises about this area and, you know, promising to improve things for renters in Ireland. But there's just been a lack of enthusiasm about it. You know, we've done a lot of stories over the years about how many landlords there are in the doll, and there's quite a few. And I, I suppose people can draw their own conclusions from that. The pandemic has had strange effects uh, on the rental market. You did have the vast exodus of people. But what has the impact been then in terms of, of deposits and evictions over that, that period? Yes, yeah, so we, we've covered quite a number of stories on this issue over the course of the pandemic. And we found that a lot of tenants have actually struggled to get their deposits back, even though they've like handed in valid notices to leave their, their apartments and houses. Um, I actually did a story about one company that was renting houses in very affluent areas in Dublin and places like Ballsbridge and Ranala. And, you know, they, they were renting to people who suddenly decided when they were asked to work from home that they were going to leave Dublin because they didn't want to be paying extortionate rent anymore. Um, so I think over 20 tenants actually took cases with the RTB against this particular company and they were ordered to pay back more than €60,000 worth of deposits, which which is an awful lot of money. You know, some of these people were paying up to 1,500 euro for rent each month um, as they were in quite good jobs. Um, and we did see quite a lot of that. And the company kind of, when we put queries to them, they turned around and said, well, we can't afford to give their deposits back because we've had a mass exodus of renters leaving the market and breaking their leases. And that's what they came back with. You know, and anecdotally, we have seen quite a lot of that happening. Um, but the government introduced a lot of emergency measures to help protect tenants during the pandemic. So we've seen the moratorium on evictions and rent increases. But sadly, some evictions were still taking place during the pandemic. Um, so I did a story 
about dozens of tenants just over on Abbey Street there were actually evicted from their apartments overnight. They weren't given a valid notice of termination. You know, these people, they didn't have written leases and they were paying rent cash in hand. There was up to five people renting two bed apartments. And there, there was actually an advertisement for one of the rooms in the apartment on daft.ie and it was for two strangers to share a bed for up to 560 euro each a month, which is absolutely crazy. It's like something you'd read on Waterford Whispers News. Um, and they were all evicted and they were left with nowhere to go in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and despite the fact that the ban on evictions has been in place um, during the three lockdowns, we put queries to the RCB and they said that since the start of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021, more than 2,000 notes to quit were actually issued by landlords to tenants. So, you know, we're still people still seeing people being asked to leave their homes. It was interesting because, you know, over the years we've had opposition parties going to the government and saying we want to see more rights for renters. We want to see rent caps introduced. We want to see bans on evictions. And it took a global pandemic for the government to actually do something about this. You know, it showed when push came to shove, the government could protect renters if it really wanted to. Tech company workers in Dublin are accused of, of skewing the, the housing market vote, both in, in terms of rental uh, and and purchasing. Uh, guilty or innocent? Well, hopefully we don't have too many tech workers listening in, but uh, unfortunately the evidence is there to kind of suggest that tech workers and tech companies moving here has kind of led to a big rise in rents and it's not just something that's happened in Dublin it's something that's happened on a global stage we've seen in places like San Francisco in America where you have Facebook headquarters and you have a big Google headquarters as well um, that rents in San Francisco skyrocketed because you had a lot of tech workers on decent salaries willing to pay crazy money for rent which obviously pushes up prices elsewhere We've seen a similar thing happen happening here. You know, there was that kind of landmark decision last year of Google showing t- taking the initiative to actually subsidize local housing for non-Google workers. And, you know, that kind of points to a certain <laughs> level of guilt on their part because they're thinking, oh, geez, we're taking up a lot of housing elsewhere. You know, they, they employ up to 8000 people in Dublin alone. So that's a lot of housing and a lot of apartments. Uh, and. I think it was an interesting move by them. What's your view then in terms of what's going to happen to the rental market when normality returns, in inverted commas? So you're going to have a whole lot of young people returning to the, the capital city. What happens then? Well, I think the evidence is already there to suggest that we're, we're going to see another crisis on our hands. You know, we had that story during the week about the young student, a young UCD student who's planning on living in a camper van for a year because she's not going to be able to afford rent in Dublin. Um, and, you know, we've seen this happen before. I've done a lot of stories over the years of students who just haven't simply been able to find accommodation in Dublin because the accommodation wasn't there. Um, and even though there was a mass exodus during the pandemic, the fact that all these people you would think when normality does resume, they're all going to be coming back to Dublin and looking for properties. And when you have the likes of tech workers taking up the the nice accommodation in the city, that's leaving substandard accommodation for everyone else. And that's something we've seen, you know, students living in houses, the kind of places where you can see your breath all year long. You have students who are sharing a room with, with up to three and four people. Um, so I just think once the demand is there, obviously you're going to see a, an increase in rent as well because landlords know they can capitalise on that. Obviously, Landlords are kind of licking their lips now, I suppose, thinking, look, this is going to be great. It's going to be demand, which means I can increase my rent a bit. And back to Gabby. Gabby, do you feel that the, that the government actually cares about renters and or are they just the forgotten cohort of the, of the whole housing crisis? 
We certainly haven't heard much talk about renters, I feel, in recent months. So Housing Minister Dara O'Brien is, of course, bringing forward his affordable housing bill and his land development agency bill through the Oireachtas as we speak. And his, his two famous pieces of legislation that are, you know, been promised to end the housing crisis. And as a part of the affordable housing bill, there is provisions there for cost rental accommodation, which have been, you know, I, I, I think it's a part of the bill that's been kind of forgotten about in, in the discourse around it, but they're actually quite welcome pieces of legislation. So the way the cost rental works is that whatever accommodation is built, the cost of building it is what the rent costs. So the figures that we've heard thrown around is that for a two-bedroom apartment, it's going to cost 1200 to rent, which would be, so if you've got two people living there, €600 Euro each, which of course is still very expensive, but it's certainly much more affordable than what we have now. From, from my own personal experience, if you're looking for a two-bedroom apartment in Dublin, you're looking at 1500 up to 1800 plus, of course. So it, it is, I suppose, you know, cheaper than 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 the market rates um, and you're not sort of involving you know in, in investment funds or or that kind of private landlord you are kind of leasing it for, you're renting it from the state um it also follows you know examples that we've seen in in vienna as well so it's sort of a, a european approach um but of course this begs the question that if you don't get to own your property and the end at the end and that you are renting it even when you for example maybe go on to start receiving your pension if the rents go up, your pension's not going up. So, you know, what happens to you then? Um, also, we've seen in recent years the introduction of the rent pressure zone legislation, which has seen that if you are living within a rent pressure zone where rents are very high, your landlord can only hike the price of your rent by 4% every year, which is, I suppose, you know, it was the aim that it was this was supposed to be a cap, but it's acting as a target and landlords are saying, OK, your rent is going up by 4% every year. And again, Minister O'Brien has said that he's going to be reviewing that and he's he's going to be maybe getting rid of it, um, but we don't know what he's going to replace it with just yet. What's your view in the wake of COVID? Do you think mm, situation is going to get worse or better for renters when students come back into the market? You get, you get uh, migrant workers coming back uh, to the country. The demand is going to, to increase again. Do you do you feel there's going to be a lag now between supply catching up, or do you do you think the rent pressure zones is going to keep it keep a lid in at all? What's what's your what's your take on say later on this year, say September October? What's the situation going to be like then? So I think what we're looking at now is that once upon a time we had this notion of Dublin rents. Dublin rents are so expensive. Oh my God, five hundred euro for a room in Dublin. What we're looking at now is that the rents across the country are very, very similar. If you look at Cork, if you look at Galway, you're seeing those same prices. €600 Euro for a room in, in, in Salt Hill, you know, 650 for a room down, down in Cork City Centre. Quote, unquote, Dublin prices are actually now being seen throughout the country. So even though we have this notion that, OK, you know, people aren't living in the cities anymore because they don't need to maybe need to go into the office, they can work from home. People still need to live somewhere. So those rent increases are being reflected I suppose all throughout Ireland I do think that you know we're coming out of another lockdown people are going to come back to work and, and again that the um the demand is going to increase yet again but I suppose you know obviously the pandemic has put a huge lull on the supply and that it doesn't been a you know of course um construction sites were closed for many months so so homes are not being built um but I suppose you can't have you know, 
rents come hand in hand with the ability to be able to, be able to buy homes. If, you, if you're paying so much rent that you can't buy a home, you're going to be renting for a very long time. And that's obviously, you know, you get nothing at the end of it. So unless we have affordable homes and affordable housing, that's the only way that we're going to kind of take some of that pressure off the, off the rental market. You were listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie, produced by Mary Carl and sound designed by Dara Kelly. You can like, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more on this and other stories, visit independent.ie.